there are a lot of people that I look up to and I think have shaped me as the person I am today. Firstly, my parents have encouraged me to strive in whatever direction I would like and to find something I'm passionate about. I think my leadership team while I was at school was also really inspiring because I went to an all-girls school and they definitely created a culture where you were encouraged to be strong, independent women, leaders, not to let anyone stop you, not to take no for an answer and just to strive for greatness, which is a really great culture to be a part of, especially when you're a teenager and you're learning who you are as an individual. Hello, and welcome to the new series of Realising Your Potential. In this very special series, I have the pleasure of speaking to inspiring women about their leadership journeys. From politicians to project managers, executive coaches to presenters, these women have done some incredible things and make for fascinating conversations. We discuss the challenges they've faced, the lessons they've learned, and explore what organisations can do to drive greater gender equality. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about, sharing perspectives and ways of thinking that educate, empower, and celebrate. So join me as we dive into some great conversations with amazing people from all walks of life. I can't wait to see what we discover together. This is the penultimate episode of the series, and I'm so excited to share with you my conversation with Karis Batho, HR advisor at Accolade Wines. Throughout this series, I've been privileged to speak with experienced women in leadership, but it's refreshing to get a different perspective from someone who's just starting their career. Karis worked as an intern while in her final year of university and has just recently joined the Accolade team on a part-time basis as her studies wrap up. In this episode, we take turns to ask each other questions and cover a range of topics from dealing with confidence to making mistakes, gender pay gaps, and my favourite new term, girl boss. It's a fun and refreshing conversation, so let's get into it. Karis Batho, welcome to Accolade Wines, Realising Your Potential. It's fantastic to have you here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. I'm very excited to be here. So, Karis, we always um, start off with asking every guest to tell us a little bit about themselves, what you do, and what made you want to work at Accolade Wines. Well, I am in my final year of university at the Australian National University in Canberra, studying a double degree of arts and commerce, which is very exciting. I go into areas such as criminology, social psychology and management. When I came to Accolade Wines as an intern, the team was so passionate, so motivated, and that really rubbed off on me and made me want to come on on a part-time basis while I finished uni. And it's great to have you. Now, I know that you were keen to do an internship because you were a little undecided whether or not you wanted to go down more of a business course or a HR path. Can you tell me, was the doing an internship helpful for that decision-making process? Oh, definitely. I think internship programs are great because they give you an understanding as a student of what kind of areas you'd like to go into as well as whether the company is a good fit for you and I think it also gives the organization a good idea of whether you would be a good fit for them as well so it's a bit of a matchmaking process I think. Yes. Yeah in your time here so far what have you enjoyed most and what are you most excited about? 
I think the thing I have enjoyed most is working with a team that are always motivated to do the best for the employees and also work hard for themselves and for the organization. I think that makes me excited to come to work, being surrounded by those kind of individuals and that kind of culture. And what I'm most excited about is learning the ropes of my job and spending more time making a difference with the employees of Accolade Wines in my role as a HR advisor. That's fantastic. Well, you've already spoken about the fact that you're finishing your last year of your degree and you're actually working part-time and you're about to increase your hours in the few months. How are you finding that from balancing all of those competing priorities? I think that because I am a big planner, that has made the transition a little bit easier. My team have been super supportive as well, always checking in, making sure I'm coping okay. How can they help me to cope with the transition? And I think that has made the biggest difference. Having the support around me from the team has been absolutely great. Do you think that it will make it easier to transition that way into the workplace rather than fin finishing your degree? I suppose you don't really know, do you really? But has it? do you think it's easier that way to integrate yourself? I think it's good in a way because when you go to university, you're used to doing sporadic hours here and there and you're not used to working a proper nine to five job. So I think working part time has helped me to learn the ropes, but also get a good idea of what working a full day looks like in the workplace. Good. In one of the conversations you and I had, you mentioned when you were making the decision about whether or not you finished your degree full time or you came and worked with us part time, you mentioned that you wanted to be a leader one day. What kind of leader do you want to be? I think that's a really good question and something that I've thought a lot about. And I think the answer is that I want to be a leader that brings the best out of people, that leads from the front and encourages people to come and do their best on a daily basis. But I also want to be a leader that's approachable and people feel comfortable coming to me if something's gone wrong or if they need advice. I definitely look up to leaders that... I see as someone that I can go to for advice and that's definitely how I would like to lead in the future. Who inspires you and who do you look up to? There are a lot of people that I look up to and I think have shaped me as the person I am today. Firstly, my parents have encouraged me to strive in whatever direction I would like and to find something I'm passionate about, which has been really great and really encouraging. I think my leadership team while I was at school was also really inspiring because I went to an all-girls school and they definitely created a culture where you were encouraged to be strong, independent women leaders, not to let anyone stop you, not to take no for an answer and just to strive for greatness, which is a really great culture to be a part of, especially when you're a teenager and you're learning who you are as an individual. So far, the strong leaders at Accolade have been absolutely great and something that is really inspiring. They create such a culture where you feel comfortable going to work, you really want to go to work, and I think that's really great. 
and also my friends. So as a younger generation, we use this term girl boss. And a lot of my friends are definitely girl bosses. They definitely want to make a really big difference in the world and being surrounded by those people while you're trying to make a difference is really, really great. Can you give me a definition of a girl boss? I like this term. I'm going to use it in the house with my husband and my son and my male dog. I'm surrounded by males. I'm going to be the girl boss, Karis. Girl boss is a female that goes for what she wants, strives for greatness and doesn't let anyone stop her from what she wants to do and is sparring for other females around her. I like it. I like it very much. Good term. Yes, it's an excellent term. I am going to use it. Probably not in the right context, but anyway. <laughs> so as series of realising your potential has all been about women in leadership and issues that women face in life, in the workplace, and I was really keen to speak with you because a lot of the people that have participated in this so far are more mature in their careers and have many years of experience and you're just entering the workforce. So I think it's a really great way for us to get the perspective of someone who's just starting out in their career. So that that's really interesting for me. So specifically in Australia, there's been lots of conversations about gender equality. Mm. What's your take on that and how do you feel women are treated in Australia? I personally think it really depends on context. I think a lot of industries and a lot of areas we have come really far in terms of female equality, but there are definitely some industry areas that are still very boys clubby. And I think as a female, it would be incredibly hard to break into those areas. I actually did a research essay on the gender pay gap recently at university and I found that really interesting to look at the reasons for why we still have a gender pay gap. So some of you would know that our gender pay gap in Australia currently sits at 13.8%, which equates to around a $13,000 gap per year, which is still significant. And A lot of the articles go into how we just need to create a culture where males and females have the same opportunities. A big reason for the gender pay gap is because males don't have the opportunity yet in some industries to take time off when families start occurring. And I think that is a really good point that it's not just females that need to make the change. We definitely need to work together with our male colleagues and male family members to create a more equitable culture. Mm. Definitely. I think as society's changing and we're seeing so many people working and raising families that it's not just a women's now, we need to look across the board that how do we create inclusion and equity for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Do you think there are taboo subjects surrounding women at work and why we struggle to talk about them? I personally think one of the biggest taboo subjects is for women that want to prioritise their career even when they have a family or want to put off having a family to prioritise a career. I feel like as a female you get to a stage in life where people say, oh, why don't you have a family yet? Or oh, are you going to take a step back to have a family? And I think females really struggle to come back with the answer of actually I want to prioritise my career right now 
I can have a family later on, but a career is something that's really passionate for me or even people just not asking that question. And for females to be able to have both and do both, have a strong career, but also be a great mum, I think that is definitely an area that we still have a long way to go on. And it would be really great if we got to a stage where people didn't ask that question. You talked about my favourite new term, girl boss, which for me, you come across as someone who is confident. Where does that come from and how can we help build confidence in others? So I think I am quite a socially confident person and I think it comes from the fact that I really enjoy making connections with a diverse range of people. I think for me that's really important. But in terms of self-confidence, I think it's a very fake it till you make it kind of thing. I definitely have times where I have imposter syndrome where I feel like I don't deserve to be where I am or that I am not good enough for where I am and I think it's definitely a use the people around you to help motivate you and to help build your self-confidence but also know that you'll get to a stage where you do feel like you're worthy of where you are and then you'll take another step and your self-confidence will go down again and it's just this cycle of trying to build your self-confidence I think. You you talked about having a strong group of um, female friends as well do you support one another in terms of that self-confidence piece? Yeah definitely a lot of my friends have been really supportive me taking on this role while I finished university and I think It has inspired them to also try and do similar things, which is really great. So I think we definitely support and inspire each other to know that we are worthy and we are doing great things. As a woman at the beginning of your career, have you faced any challenges yet or or are you anticipating the challenges you might have to navigate through? I think being self-confident is definitely one of the challenges I have faced so far. And I think having strong females around me that feel the same way is quite nice. So it was really great to know that I'm not alone in this and that it's normal to feel this way. And I think that's really helped me to start overcoming the challenge of being self-confident. I also think that when you come in at the start of your career, you learn so much in university that doesn't translate to the workforce and there's so much that you need to learn in the workforce so I think one of my biggest challenges at the moment is just trying to find my way through the processes and my role requirements and I know that's going to take time but having support around me is definitely helping with that process. I think when you go to uni a lot of it's research based and not so much practical based and when you enter the workforce sometimes it's hard to make that transition. What helped you the most in that kind of transition when you came in with your internship? I think my internship was really great because I went in and learnt lots of different areas of the people and communications function, which gave me a really good rounded idea of our processes, such as I learnt the communications processes, which are different to the recruitment processes, which is different to the performance processes. And I think that really helped when I came in on my part-time basis, I already had some knowledge of the processes, which has made the transition a bit more smooth. Mm. And you'd 
created all those relationships as well. So you knew yes. you knew the people that you were working with, and so it was easy to pick up the phone. Yes, making mistakes is actually a really important part of learning. Have you made any mistakes yet? And how did you handle it? Or if not, how do you think you might in the future? Yeah, as you say, I think making little mistakes is just a normal process when you're new to something. And I think that creating a culture where making small mistakes is okay and seen as part of continuous learning is really important. And it's really helped me that the people that I work with at Accolade are very much, if you make a mistake, they just say, apologize, fix it and move on. That's all you can do really. If you make a mistake, you don't let it rattle you. You just see it as another learning curve. And I think that's really important. Mm. Yeah. It's so important to think about it in that, that respect. What can organisations do to support people coming into the start of their career? I think having internship programs and graduate programs is really great and really important because it helps with finding the best fit for the organisation and for the individual. It also gives newly graduated people an idea of what the workplace is like and I think just organizations being patient and creating that continuous learning culture is really important. There's so much that we can learn from each other. What do you think the biggest or best lesson we can learn from people like yourself who are entering the workforce right now? So I think the great thing about the new generation of the workforce is that one, we have technical capabilities that sometimes older generations don't have. We can sometimes do things a little bit faster. Let's give you credit, Karis, a lot, (laughs) not just a little. Yes, a lot faster. And we also come in with the newest best practice, the newest research, which I think really helps organizations to remain innovative and up to date with best practice. I think it's just that we've grown up with so much technology. So we've had to get used to using it. I think we're going to switch sides now, aren't we? And you're going to ask some questions. So what was your first job and what are some key milestones that got you to where you are today? Okay. So my first role post-university, I actually worked in a consulting firm for the mining and hydrocarbons industry. So it was a pretty exciting thing to be doing post-university because I used to go to some pretty big holes in the ground with big pieces of expensive machinery in very remote places. I think working in consulting is a very different experience than working in an organisation. It teaches you a very different set of skills. You need to be incredibly good with your time management because you're charging your client by the hour. You need to be very good and concise about the advice that you give and how you work on it. And also, I suppose, in a way, engage you at a point in time when they actually really need your help. You're being employed for a particular skill set that you have or an expertise that you don't have in the organisation. And what you get to do is actually help that organisation at a point in time, but also help build skills within those employees who are working on that. And in that, you've got to be able to really simplify what you're saying communicate well, problem solve, create solutions and be pretty collaborative. What you don't get is leadership experience. So I got a pretty confronting experience in a way that one of my clients actually asked me to come in and be a HR manager 
for a period of time on secondment, I had a team of nine people. I'd never led a team in my life and I had no idea what I had to do. So that provided me with an opportunity to kind of work in an organization, lead a team, but also manage projects end to end. So that's what I started in doing. But then I've been really blessed. I've worked in multiple roles, both in Australia and overseas, and both on the um, operations side and in head office. And I think the really important thing for me when I reflect on my career is that all of those experiences are, are really critical because I couldn't do this job today without understanding how an operations work, but also how a corporate works. So I think if you get the opportunity to work in both, you really understand the push and pull of, of an organization. Finally, I, I believe in really thinking about your destination role. So what is that ultimate role that you do actually want to aspire to, even when you are in your, your 40s? And then think about when you're going for a role or a promotion or there's even an opportunity to work on a project, what are those things that you're going to learn from that that are going to get you to that next role and how do you continuously fill in those gaps? So I just think for me, it's actually looking at um, all of those things and saying, right, what's this role going to bring to me to help me with my overall destination role? Hopefully that gives you a flavour. Yeah, it sounds like you've had quite a well-rounded career, which... I think has probably helped you be the well-rounded individual that you are. Well, that's very kind. I did actually have the opportunity to live and work overseas. My first posting was in Ghana in West Africa, and it was the best decision we made as a family and the best decision that I made personally in terms of my own personal and professional growth. And I just don't ever regret that opportunity. There would have been so many reasons to say no to that, Mm. but I never regret it. I think I actually grew personally more than I did professionally. There were a lot of things that that I experienced that I still hold very dear and are very important to me in terms of how I view life. Yeah, that sounds like a very exciting experience. My next question is, what do you enjoy most about being a leader? And do you have any tips for women at the start of their careers? What I really most enjoy about being a leader is coaching and supporting people to do their best work. And hopefully that best work is work that is new and exciting for them, but also work that is new and exciting for the organisation and actually makes a difference to the culture that we're building, to the results that we're trying to achieve. Making sure that those people in the team, that when they finish that task or that project, they actually sit back and go, I'm really, really proud of that piece of work. But in addition to that, this is what I think is possible next. So also having an eye for the next thing. And I suppose being inherently curious and hungry to continue to just build on the momentum and the success and the excitement and the great work to always push the envelope a little bit. It also makes the day-to-day transactional work a little bit more bearable. If we're doing some exciting and interesting work that we're proud of, then that kind of balances things out. I think in terms of someone starting off in their career, the thing that I would say is take all of those opportunities that get offered to you and also take the offers of help. I've spoken about opportunities to live and work overseas and they're great if you get them and and do them. But one of the best things that I actually had though was the ability to participate in 360 degree feedback, really understanding who you are as an individual, what are your development areas? And then as you go into sort of more leadership roles, the thing that I've really learned is build a team of people around you who are not like you because they actually complement 
your strengths. So we can work on our development areas, but there are things that we are just always going to be naturally good at. And if you can bring in people who complement the things where you need to develop or you're not so good at, then you're going to have a really great, well-rounded team. Yeah, and I think that ties in nicely to the idea of continuous learning. When you surround yourself with people that have different skills that you can learn from, that helps you to develop yourself into a more well-rounded individual because you're learning different skills from people that are experts in those skills. Exactly. And I think if you do that, you have to be really open to the feedback. So being as explicit as you can be around, this is my profile, this is my strength, these are my development areas. And having also those people in the team who bring complementary skill sets, but can also give you the feedback when you're not at your best, they'll pick you up and remind you why sometimes you have to do these things that you're not really comfortable doing. Yeah, definitely. My next question is what is the thing you're most proud of in your career and what has been the biggest challenge you have faced? Oh, goodness. So it was really hard for me to, I mean, this might sound um, quite corny in a way, but, and maybe it's because I'm a little older and I've had time to reflect, but I've actually had a lot of proud moments in my career. So I probably didn't realize it at the time. And when I was reflecting on preparing for this conversation, I realized how good it was to think about your career because when you're doing those things in the moment, you don't realize how amazing those experiences are. Uh, It's only when you get out of them and you reflect that you do. I mean, one of the things that I did is I led a large transformation for a listed ASX company, which we did all in house and is a pretty tricky piece of work. And I look back now and go, we did that in three months and it was pretty amazing. I think the most challenging point in my career, and you spoke a little bit to it, was the decision I made to have a family. So having a child for me was not the easiest process like it is um, for many, many women. And so I undertook IVF for three and a half years, which was a pretty impactful medical procedure to go through. But at, I think about 12 months into into that treatment, I was offered an opportunity um, for a new role, which was something I couldn't turn down from a career perspective. But I remember feeling incredibly nervous about taking the role and thinking, well, what happens if I fall pregnant six weeks, six months into it, and I haven't actually been there for that long. So I did take the role, but I underwent the treatment and I didn't really tell anyone. And there were some pretty difficult moments during that for me where I felt, you know, quite alone because I couldn't really confide in my colleagues around what I was going through. In hindsight, actually, I think that judgment call not to tell people or a few people was wrong. The organisation was actually a a lot more embracing and and supportive than I had given them credit for. So, yeah, I think that was a tricky time to navigate personally and professionally. I feel like you're not alone in that boat. Yeah. And I feel like from talking to some females that are at that point in their career or nearing it, they definitely feel the same way. It's nice that they ended up being super supportive though. Yeah, and it's and I think the thing there is, it's interesting the story that you can tell yourself in your own head about what you think the situation is going to be. And so I think sometimes take away your own story and just deal factually with what's going on and it won't be as bad as you think it's going to be. Yeah, I think that's a very important life lesson to not predict. My final question for you is what advice would you give to your younger self when you started your career? Yeah, it plays into a little bit about the story that create in your own head. 
And, and look, this is something that I continually work on and it's something I would tell my younger self, my current self, my older self, is that really don't sweat the small stuff, like don't worry so much. And I actually did a lot of work around that time. I was going through IVF. I was big into meditation. I run, I actually saw a therapist around managing anxious thoughts and not worrying too much about what could happen. There were a lot of what ifs and interesting that person said to me, write down the thing you worry about and how long you worry about it for. And then when that thing doesn't happen, just do a small sum about how much time you spent worrying about the thing that didn't happen. And then think about how much time you could have spent using that time to be more creative, connect with friends, go for a run, do a meditation. And it's a really interesting exercise that you can spend an inordinate amount of time worrying about things that just aren't going to eventuate. You can save yourself a lot of heartache. So that's what I probably tell my younger self. Yeah, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't worry so much. It will actually be pretty okay in the end. Yeah, I will definitely take that on board because I'm a similar person. I say what if a lot of times a day or just worry about outcomes that may or may not happen. And I think sometimes it does take time up that I could be doing other things. I think it's really important to identify how you manage that. For me, I found meditation really good. I find running amazing for clearing the head. And I would highly recommend dipping into someone who can help you with that sort of cognitive behavioral stuff to help you manage the what if questions that ruminate in your head. One of the things that I worked on with that person a lot is visualization. So visualization yes. is a great tool. I actually used to get really, really nervous public speaking. And one of the tips that the person gave me was that when I had to public speak, visualize that I was taking a winter coat off. And in that winter coat was all of the self-talk I had around I'm going to, I'm going to forget my words. I'm going to go red in the face. No one's going to laugh at my jokes, all of those things. And that I'd left that in the room outside of where I was speaking. Visualization is incredibly powerful in terms of stopping what if question that goes around in our brain. So I think if you can get help dip into all of those tools, it's, it's really good. Yeah, definitely. That's Hopefully okay. that was helpful. It was definitely helpful. I really enjoyed speaking with Karis. I thought she did an excellent job and it's not every day you get to interview your Chief People and Communications Officer. The one thing I'm taking away from our chat is something I'm really passionate about, the power of conversation, having an open dialogue and that there's so much we can learn from each other irrespective of levels, titles and experience. It's really what these podcasts are all about. But I'd love to know what did you take away? You can respond by leaving a review or if you're listening on Spotify, you can answer via the Q&A section in the app. If you found this conversation to be as helpful and inspiring as I did, please remember to share it with friends and colleagues. You just never know who else it might positively impact. Next week, I'll be speaking with TV presenter, diversity and inclusion expert and award-winning author, June Sapong, OBE. We discussed the pivotal moments that shaped June into the passionate advocate she is, and she shares her wealth of wisdom on how each and every one of us can have better conversations about diversity and inclusion. As always, links and resources can be found in the show notes. Until then, thanks for listening and take care.